Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. No one is, 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 is more locked in. From Thursday to Monday, no one is more locked into the NFL than First and Pod. Hosted by Danny Parkin and Andrew Filipponi. All right, you know the drill. First in pod, every game, every team, every week. I am Danny Parkins. Spencer Ray is producing. Andrew Filipponi is on paternity leave. Our good friend, Mike Meltzer, kind enough to join us once again uh, after a 31-17, frankly, convincing, almost wire-to-wire win for, for the Eagles Mike, I mean, Miami showed resiliency down 14, then coming back and tying it up. Then they're driving down seven. Tua throws the bad pick. Mm -hmm. But Philly just, I mean, you look at the stats. I mean, Miami, 10 penalties against none for Philly. Uh, Four push plays converted by Jalen Hurts. Pretty much Philly was able to do whatever they wanted uh, in this game. I was very impressed with the Eagles. We talked about it coming in that neither team really had a marquee win. Well, this is certainly one for Philly. Especially coming off the way that things ended against the Jets a week ago. Danny, I have to admit, terrible job by me. The So on the drive that basically finished the game at 31-17, that took like six and a half minutes. That first time that Sirianni used that brotherly shove play, I actually would have punted. I, I have to admit, like it was it was a full yard, and I was thinking to myself, man, I just think that's too dangerous in this spot. They did it once, they did it again in that drive, and I was I first guessed myself wrong on that. That was an excellent job by Sirianni. So I will do what people in the media never do. I said to myself, not anybody else, I would have punted. He did not, and that drive sealed the game. AJ Brown was tremendous tonight. Six straight games for A.J. Brown with 125 yards or more receiving. Two dudes uh, in NFL history have done it. One guy I've never heard of. The other one is Megatron, Calvin Johnson. He's he's unbelievable. And, yeah, good. That's that. you say bad job by you. I say good job by you. And admitting where you were wrong publicly. That you, you, Danny, could have taken, you could have taken that to your grave and no one would have ever known. It was, it was at their own 26-yard line. It was like a Brandon Staley special, except the fact that they have this just undefensible play, indefensible play. that in, nobody in, Indefensible. Indefensible play, yes. Yeah, you know, so like you and I have never played uh, football at a high level. We've never really played sports at a particularly high level. Accurate. How demoralizing do you think it is for an opposing defense to know that it's basically, you know, first and nine, first and eight. Yes. It's not really first and 10. I think it's an excellent point. I kept thinking to myself about that during that drive because it's not good enough to shot to stop them a yard shy of the sticks. 
you basically, to your point, have to stop them with like a fourth and three or a fourth and four. Because if it's a yard or less they're going, if it's two yards or less they're thinking about it, like that's the standard in that situation when you're down by seven, desperately trying to get two of the football back. I think that that is very that that makes it extremely difficult to get a stop on defense. Yeah, it, it's and just and for like four minute drill, you know, icing games away, yep, churning clock, like all that stuff. Like, you know, they're just dominant. They're so clearly the best equipped team to do it. And it's weird. If I was a Dolphins fan, I don't think I'd feel terrible. Like be, I agree. Be, being down 14 and Waddle being hurt and getting back in that game and tying it up is pretty impressive without Waddle. And then, I mean, two Tua throws a pick to Slay. All right. Darius Slay is one of the better defensive backs in football the last five years. He and under he underthrew it, it bad, bad throw, but I mean they were dri- they were driving to tie the game at twenty four. Yes, and it did look to me. I know Collins reporting this out, but it did look like that was a play where you had two guys too close together because it was it was the kind of play that that to me to my naked eye should be either complete or incomplete. You shouldn't have a you know a cornerback being able to undercut that in that situation. Yeah, I mean there was there was definitely something wrong with the execution of the play by them. I guess I just mean like. If this game is played 10 times, yeah. I don't think Philly wins like eight or more of them. Yeah, I think I think that Miami wins about four. I was thinking yeah. the same thing. If I was Miami, based on the resilience they showed down 73, as you mentioned, I was really impressed by the, t- the touchdown drive right before half. Like they converted that, uh, I think it was it was a third and 18 uh to Cedric Wilson. Yeah. And they completed it to midfield, went right down the field and scored. I thought that was impressive. And then I thought they showed more resilience because, remember, you had Tyreek Hill look like he was going to waltz his way into the end zone when he bobbles it, and then it it's incomplete. Then they go for on fourth and three, which I thought was questionable because Tyreek Hill was off the field on that next play. Yep. They get unlucky with the face mask, but they bounce right back with that weird pick six. And so I think I think Miami showed – mental toughness and resilience but it felt like with the guys they didn't have coming into the game plus the guys they lost waddle david long got hurt it was probably a lot to ask for them to win this game on the road on sunday night i would not feel terrible if i was a miami fan yeah and good point i mean the 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 non-call on the face mask with that ball in the air i mean that's that's one that obviously gets called eight out of ten times nine out of ten times so you know not having Achan was big. They were able to get basically nothing on the ground uh, running the ball. Just Philly was better. Philly, I think, maybe there's a little bit more credence that they've been coasting to start this year uh, off of the NFC Championship last year. But we were wondering if they were going to put one together, and uh, and they certainly did. Are you ready to get to the games? Absolutely. All right. Baltimore, Detroit, we do it once a week. We get to do is the bigger story the team that won or the team that lost, and I'm starting us off with it. Is the bigger story the Ravens blowout win or the Lions blowout loss? Bigger story to me is the Ravens blowout win. This is the team that I think exists there, Danny. Now, they're not going to do this every single week, but we talk about this on Thursday on the podcast. Like The losses that they had, Indianapolis, there was a bad call. They're playing with their food. They had a bunch of you know just 
ill-conceived turnovers, bad plays against Pittsburgh. They had absolutely and utterly no business losing that game two weeks ago. And I know there's been criticism of the offense, but I thought I've thought to my eye that Lamar Jackson has been playing well. Like the questions coming in about how would he adjust to Todd Munkin's offense? He has looked good to me. He looked smooth. I thought there were times today, and the announcing crew pointed this out that Lamar might have taken off and run where he kind of stayed a beat in the pocket after facing pressure, and they were just dominant. I mean, this was a game script situation where you score 7, 14, 21, 28, and then it doesn't matter what the Lions do. They're completely dead in the water. I think this is the team that Baltimore can be if their receivers catch passes, and their defense has been consistently very good this season. The team that showed up in Baltimore is a team that can win the Super Bowl. I agree with you. Uh, that, That team today definitely can win the Super Bowl. I'll make the case for the Lions simply by saying they easily could have lost that opener to the Chiefs if any player on the Chiefs, namely Kadarius Toney, catches one of like three balls that were right in his hand. And if they had lost that game, we'd be saying they beat Atlanta, Green Bay, Carolina, and Tampa. And are a four and three football team. Now I know they won that game, but their next game is Vegas, then the bye, then the Chargers, then the Bears, then the Packers, then the Saints, then the Bears, then the Broncos, then the Vikings. They don't have another like test game, measuring stick game. Are the Lions for real game? Can the Lions make the NFC championship? Can the Lions make the Super Bowl until at Dallas week 17? Like every game between yes. now and week 17 for the Lions is a game where we are going to say they should win. And if they win, they're not going to get that much credit from people. And if they lose, they're going to take heat. So I do agree with you that it is the Ravens. But the only argument on the flip side that I have for Detroit is if they would have won this game, I think it would have kind of backed up what they did in Kansas City week one, and it would have removed any skepticism that they could be a tier one team. Now, when you get blown out like this to Baltimore and it felt like week one was a little bit fluky, I think the rest of the way people are going to be doubting the Lions, even if they end up being like a 12 or a 13 win team. I can't disagree with that. The one thing I notice about Detroit is they'll occasionally have this kind of game in the Campbell era. Remember last year they finished the season. They won five of their last six. I think it was like, you know, eight of their last 10, something like that. But they dropped that weird game in Carolina where they just could not stop the run. I know this is a higher level team with higher expectations, but you saw that last year. It killed their chances to make the postseason in, you know, kind of a comeback, come from behind fashion, drop them to seven and eight. And this was just one of those games where like, you know, you fall behind like that. There's nothing you can do. Like, do you subscribe, Danny, to the theory? Like if you're, if you're Detroit, if you're doing a show in Detroit tomorrow or Tuesday, is it I'm alarmed because this team is just not up to snuff? Or I know this game was such a disaster that you almost throw it completely out, that this is not going to happen again like this. I, I think I think the latter, but in the back of your mind, there's a shred of doubt. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think you make the argument that this is a trash the game don't don't even watch the tape. You're not going to learn anything from it. But like I said, there, there's just not at New Orleans 
You know, I mean, there's there's just there's just not a lot of good opportunities for you to really feel good about your team the rest of the way. And just one more thing for Baltimore. Um, it was only six targets, but it was nice to see Mark Andrews like be remembered. I felt like yes. so much of this year it was like, oh, well, they got him Zay Flowers and they got him Odell Beckham and there's Bateman and go like figuring out who these guys are. And I know, and then Andrews was hurt for a little bit in week like two or three, whichever it was. That's your dude. That's your number one guy. That's your red zone target. Work everything off of that. Maybe it'll be Zay Flowers by the end of the year, but that is the best weapon uh, for Baltimore. I still think he's a top three tight end in the NFL. Yeah, I, I think you're right. When I look at their weapons, the way I would stack it up is ideally it's Andrews one, Flowers two, and then I think there. I think you have a drop of a level, and then you go to the other guys, and that includes Odell Beckham. I know Bateman flashed a little bit. They were able to run the ball effectively with both Edwards and Hill. But to me, it's clear that the top two guys there are Andrews and Flowers. And I agree based on productivity and, and really flat out size. Flowers, not the biggest guy. Like in a playoff game, at a big game, Mark Andrews feels to me like the more indefensible player. Like he's the tougher guy to guard. And it just seems like as they were changing their scheme this year, they went away from it early. And so I, I hope his target share keeps going back up. Uh, all right, Chiefs and Chargers. Mahomes had over 300 yards in the first half, finished with 424 and four touchdowns. Kelsey had 12 catches for 179 yards on 13 targets with Taylor Swift in attendance. Uh, MVS had a touchdown. Rice had a touchdown. Pacheco had a touchdown, all catching the ball. Will this passing explosion quiet some of the doubters about what's wrong with the Chiefs? Yeah, I, I think so. Mahomes was, he played, I thought this was the first game he played this season where he was truly at the majestic level of Patrick Mahomes. And I know he threw the pick, but I thought Hardman didn't really give, give a great effort on that one. Plus, you know, Samuel made a nice play. He's a talented guy. Uh, they were going up and down the field. I know things kind of slowed down in the second half, but they got the finishing drive they needed to. I cannot, for the life of me, think, I feel like I, I watch this game like, I know they play twice a year. I feel like I watch it five times a year. <laughs> and the Chargers cannot, like, they should put four guys on Kelsey. Like, it, I don't care if they give up, you know, 60 points because other guys are just running unblocked. Like, how is he so open against this team every time? It makes no sense. Just let anybody else beat you. He had 12 catches on 13 targets. I know I'm going a little off your direct question, but yes, Mahomes to me looked like the A-level of Mahomes this season for the first time. Yeah, I mean, he was dominant. <laughs> like, like, and I, do, I mean, dominant. And I know he dominates them, and I know he dominates the division. And I know a lot of us were like, oh, are they on upset alert? And this game mattered a lot for the Chargers. Just, it, it's, we're so dumb. Like when any any time we doubt this team at all, and I said like, hey, they went out and got Hardman. They must have seen something being wrong too. So I would imagine there is some sort of collective exhale over there uh, at, at Arrowhead with you know Brett Veach and Andy Reid because they made a move to go get Hardman. But dude, Dolphins lost. They're the one seed again in the AFC. As our buddy Nick Wright, what he calls it, the Arrowhead Invitational. This would be six straight AFC Championship games. Like, it's just, it is remarkable 
And I know Bolton got hurt, which is big. Uh, I think they said dislocated wrist. We'll see what that ends up being. He matters a lot for their defense. But they are just – they are a juggernaut. And to your point on Kelsey, he's 34 years old. Yeah. I, how much longer of a prime – does this dude have it? I think, I think it was what 50 touchdowns from Mahomes to Kelsey uh, was today. And he's at like 72 or something for for his career. It's just insane how good he is. And I mean, maybe he'll retire to go travel internationally on Taylor Swift's private jet, but that dude is still far and away the best at his position. Doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. It's truly remarkable. The last two games, a combined, let's see, he's got a combined 21 catches on, I think it's 24 uh, targets, whatever it is. I'm not, I'm not good at doing math on the fly, but you can tell that he's obviously not the same athlete that he was coming out of Cincinnati, but this is obviously 10 years in at this point, but he's got that like, you know, almost NBA veteran style, like guile, cleverness. He's always going to find a way to get open. And I can't figure out what's going on against the Chargers specifically. But yeah, I mean, he's he's one of the greatest tight ends of all time. I, The way I have this in my head, I think Gronk is the greatest tight end of all time. And I'm not sure if Kelsey can do anything to vault above Gronk myself, but he's unbelievable. And that connection feels like it is the best in the NFL. And that's how it's been the last five years. Yeah, I mean, Gronk as the touchdown scorer, but Kelsey with seven straight 1,000-yard seasons and the records that he's accumulating. And I know it's, you know, he's benefited by Reed and Mahomes, but obviously Gronk was benefited by Brady and Belichick. You know, I I give the edge to Kelsey because it's more than just touchdowns for him. And it's the option route stuff, man. Like, yes. He 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 improvises. He does insane things. That I mean, that play that he scored the touchdown on the little shovel pass thing in the middle of all that traffic, and yeah. he's backing in and he just like <laughs> puts the ball over his head. Like, what how are did, you doing? How did he keep the ball? I mean, the guy must just have the strongest hands in the world yes. to think that that's like not a dumb thing to do. Maybe maybe he went back to the sideline. And it was like the scene in Major League. Nice catch, Hayes. Don't ever bleep and do it again. Like I, I have no idea. But that he is just an absolute monster, and I loved C, uh, CBS putting up the graphic of what he's done in games with Taylor Swift in attendance, yeah. and what he's done without. Because at this point, it's got to be helping him. It's got to be, and I'm here yeah, for well, it. Well, I mean, I mean, you're married. Like, I feel like when you meet somebody and things are going well. On, in the initial phase, like it, it probably helps your like every aspect of your life because you're in a naturally better, more buoyant mood. Yeah. And I think that like Mahomes, I think it's a prop bet hack. Mahomes said it the first time that he had pressure to get Kelsey into the end zone, knowing that Taylor Swift was there. <laughs> like when it's reported that Taylor Swift is going to be at the game, we need to be hammering Travis Kelsey over props. Apparently. So Catches. you yards receptions so do you think he's the greatest tight end of all time i do okay yeah I interesting do. by the way their defense in the second half of this game you go look you look at the uh drive chart for the chargers the interception first that was when amenahue knocked it down and they got it in the red zone and that was, i thought that was the biggest play of the second half individually 
But then look at what the Chargers did. Three plays, punts, three plays, punts, three plays, punts. And they got the ball back, and then it was the interception on that final kind of desperation drive by Herbert. They completely, after struggling in the first half objectively, they essentially shut down the Chargers in the second half. Like, we were talking about Mahomes, how he played, obviously, Kelsey. But, Danny, this defense through seven games has been, I think, one of the best defenses in the NFL. We have to start thinking about that consciously with Kansas City. That th- Those are the numbers that they're putting up. They have better personnel. Spagnolo seems like he's kind of changed some of the looks that he gives. Uh, that's a that's a high-level defense. Yeah, and it's the best defense of the Mahomes-Reed era for sure, which is scary. And I just want to say this is probably a good appropriate time. We talked about Mark Andrews. We talked about Kelsey. What the hell is national tight end day? These broadcasts yeah. could not stop talking about it. Do you like, feel like the last <laughs> the last six years there's been an explosion of days? Right? It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. It is not National Tight End Day. No, it isn't. It's not. It. It. How could it be, Mike? Who Who decided out. it? Who made it up? Who allowed it to become a national thing? Why is it National Cheesecake Day? Why isn't it National Tiger Left Shoe First Day? I. I, I was inundated with it. During these broadcasts, it was completely inane. And even Tariko to... did it on Sunday Night Football. I, 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 I reject the premise. I'm looking at uh, nationaldaycalendar.com. They've got four days on Sunday, October 22nd. None of them are National Tight End Day. Correct. It's National Correct. Make a Dog's Day. You know what October 22nd is? What? My birthday. That's right. That's happy birthday. Terrible job by me. Terrible. Hey. Danny, happy birthday. I mean, all these guys talk about National Tight End Day. Eat me. It's my birthday. (laughs) It is your birthday. That's that's what October 22nd is. I was psyching myself up all day. I'm like, I know it's Danny's birthday. It's the first thing that needs to be be coming out of my mouth, and I forgot. (laughs) Listen, don't worry, buddy. I'll mention that it's my birthday. Uh, Bills Patriots. All right. I have been the one saying there's nothing wrong with the Bills. There's nothing wrong with the Bills. There's nothing wrong with the Bills. And Mike? I think there might be something wrong with the Bills. Is Buffalo agree. more likely to win a playoff game or miss the playoffs? I think they're more likely to win a playoff game because I, I'm i having a hard time seeing them miss it entirely, although we'll start to get a better sense of that. But, I mean, I, I think this was a different football team when they were playing with the whole 12, 13 seconds a couple of years ago. Uh, it's not the same. They've lost Tredavious White, and that's a weird one because he plays a premium position, but he hasn't been that healthy the last couple of years. Milano, to me, feels like he's more of been a kind of a heart and soul guy for them. But I look at them, and for the weapons they allegedly have offensively, it takes them being down to the game to New England to start making moves, and it feels based on watching and the reporting that Josh Allen is probably about 75 to 80%. And this is what you're going to get. Danny, the last three times this this team has been out there, you have the loss to Jacksonville, where that was another brutally slow start, the Giants game, a slow start offensively, and then this one where they almost pulled it out of of their behinds before Mac Jones did an excellent job at the end of this game. This has been three straight poor performances by Buffalo coming off that Miami win. They're not that good. They are not in the – like we watched Miami against Philly. On Sunday, Miami's a better team, I think, even though they got crushed in Buffalo. It sounds weird to say. I don't think the Bills are – they're a second-tier team right now. That's how they're playing. 
So to answer the question, I agree with you. I still think they're more likely to win a playoff game than miss the playoffs. But they don't have a bye week for like five weeks. And while their schedule isn't particularly difficult, Tampa at Cincy, home against Denver, home against the Jets at Philly before the bye, if something is truly broken with them, they better be careful because – they lost to Jacksonville, they barely beat the Giants, and then they lost to New England. Like, the way that they played today and they've been playing for the last couple of weeks, they absolutely could lose to Baker Mayfield, and then they certainly could lose in Cincy to Joe Burrow. They're probably safe against Denver. They're probably safe against the Jets, but who knows with that defense. But, like, my point is, you say they're a Tier 2 team. I think that they will be by the end of the year, and they should be. But right now, they don't feel like they're playing. They, they are feeling like they, they could lose to any team that's ranked 11 through 25 yes. in the NFL uh, on an any given Sunday metric. And then, and I don't say this often, but I thought Jason Garrett had a great point. On oh, NBC. I'm intrigued by this. Okay. Josh Allen is all they have. Yeah. I mean, he he is – listen, I I don't mean like Stephon Diggs isn't a great player and they don't have other like talented guys, but they don't have a zig when you zag. Like they So they ran 65 plays. Josh Allen had 41 pass attempts and seven rushing attempts. Yep. So 48 of the 65 plays, it's him throwing or running the ball. Cook – 13 carries, 56 yards, 4.3 yards per carry. That's fine, but the vast majority of it was 120-yard run. And then Latavius Murray, four carries, eight yards. That's it. They have nothing else. They, they, They can only beat you one way. And it feels like they really can only beat you when it's Allen to Diggs. Like They, they need to figure out a changeup. It's like Mariano Rivera only throwing the cutter, except he's not Mariano Rivera. And especially if you're right, and he's only 75 or 80% healthy. Like they they need something else offensively to take some of the load off of Josh Allen, and they just don't have it. I think it's an excellent point. He is the sun, the moon, the stars for that team, and, and he can do things that at times almost no quarterback can, but I don't think he's fully healthy. And compared to what I thought going into even last season, Danny, like I don't think their weapons are that great. Like Diggs is a top receiver, but I'm struck oftentimes when I'm watching them and it's like he's not that big of a guy you know like he he's six foot 190 and I feel like he gets so many targets as he should but there's a lot of wear and tear that goes with a player like that and I think you look at their secondary and tertiary options like you know Gabe Davis I think compared to the hype a year and a half ago hasn't lived up to it Shakir uh, I do like Dalton Kincaid they can never figure out the running game. Like they, they have never been able to the last three years figure out who the running back should be, how they properly balance the running game with Josh Allen. And it leads to a football team that relies a little bit too much on the quarterback. And now you have a defense with the injuries. And I don't think Von Miller played all that much late in this game. And he's obviously a key for them. And, and you're right to your earlier point. The Bills are now a team that, unless they're playing one of the five or six worst teams in football, I can't trust them to win. Yeah, they're just they're, they're playing down to opponents, and they, they are very, very vulnerable right now. Uh, that Tampa game is going to be fascinating next week. 
Uh, all right, so Browns Colts ends 39-38. Yes. How weird is this league, man? That is an insane final score for these two teams to put up. How weird is the NFL? It's very weird. There's a lot of mediocrity. There's a big blob in the middle, I think, uh, as we the have The Browns discussed. are the number one defense in the NFL. They beat the Niners, and then this game ends 39-38. That's insane. Yeah. I didn't get it. I was looking at the – I watched a bunch of this, obviously, and, and especially towards the end. Uh, Indianapolis, 456 total yards, 6.8 yards per play. I mean, there were some things that, that got unlucky. I thought, you know, for example, the Pittman touchdown late, he bounces off two guys and then goes like 70 yards, whatever it was. Yep. But it, it, the Josh Downs touchdown, I don't know if you saw that early, but that was on like a – it was on one of those, basically, a guy goes off sides. It's a free play, and then they yep. I don't think they played hard enough, frankly, on it. And so that's 14 points right there. That shouldn't happen. But th this game, it was – if you told me before Cleveland's going to score 39 and Indy's going to score 38, I would have thought part of that would have involved Deshaun Watson playing pretty well, but that was completely not the case in this one. And you had the – very spotty calls late in the game as well. What did you think of those? Uh, I, I, just, I, I thought I thought it was a poorly officiated, weird. Is this a scoregami? Like, has there ever been thirty nine, thirty eight? I didn't yeah. see it, so I assume that there has you. been. But like, I just I thought this was like a singularly weird football game. I'm sure it wasn't a scoregami, or I would have seen it. I was on Twitter all day, like I always am, but. Minshew now has eight turnovers in his last two games. I think you said it last week. Minshew is a starter, much different than Minshew yeah. as, a, as a backup. But, but he actually did a decent – well, considering the competition, today was actually a plus Minshew performance. QBR of 79.7. Yeah, and 456 yards of offense. Like you said, those some freakish plays. Yes. I, I just want to say real quick on the officiating, because I think that's a huge thing coming out of this game. Just to kind of set this up for the audience, if you guys did not see this, uh, the, the game was going to end on the last drive when the Browns were driving. It was a, a forced fumble, like open hand. I thought that Walker did fumble it, but there was an illegal contact yeah. called in the end zone. I thought that was actually the right call because it looked to me like and obviously illegal contact is beyond five yards. You grab yep. a guy. It looked to me like Cooper kind of shook him. I think it was Baker who was called for it. And I thought that was a fair call, although incredibly lucky for Cleveland in the sense that that had nothing to do with the actual play. Well, that's had one of those things, right? It's like, it's, it's a letter of the law call. Yes. But zero impact on the play. But the pass interference <laughs> with the ball that Walker threw to Donovan Peoples-Jones that ended up in like row six, that should not have been pass interference. <laughs> that was a terrible call. Slightly game. uncatchable. Yeah, a little uncatchable. Uh, so bad job by the refs on that. I will give Stefanski credit for calling a run on fourth and goal uh, late in that game uh, to win. I thought that was a gutsy call in that situation. And for Cleveland, like, Danny, the weird part is this is the kind of game that I think, I think historically the Browns would have found a way to lose despite how great Miles Garrett was. And with everything going on with Watson, who was basically taken out, they are somehow four and two through everything that has happened here. What do you do with Watson? What well, I would do, yeah, I, I, I think you need to 
like you need to have him on the bench for as long as possible until that shoulder gets reasonably right. Because those those five passing attempts, Danny, like if he stayed in that game, I don't I don't know what the hell would have happened. No, I mean, right. He completes one of them for five yards. He looked like he had absolutely no zip on the ball. Yes. And I just how did how did it get to this point? Well, I wonder. We talked on Thursday about how did the Browns allow it to leak that Deshaun was clear to play. Right. There's a real part of me that wonders, did, did he feel like he had to get out there because there was because that came out, there was criticism over this idea that he's got the fully guaranteed contract, he has no incentive to play, and did he gut out a game that realistically he probably shouldn't have played in? I actually do wonder that. I mean, that would just be so short-sighted. Yes. And just like the tail wagging the dog, if that is in fact the case. I mean, I mean, Danny, one of five, one pick, and then he would have had a second pick, except Kenny Moore dropped it, which was yeah, had yeah. nothing to do with Watson. Yeah. He had yeah, no impact point. on that. Good point. Uh, have they said what's happening next week yet? I assume no. I didn't see anything post-game. I, I don't think so, but yeah. That, that, what would you do with him? I mean, I would just... I assumed that he was hurt. Like I, I, I'm usually like late to the conspiracy theory party. Yeah, and he was hurt, so don't play the hurt guy. Yes, <laughs> you don't, don't. You know what I mean? You're not. You're not winning the Super Bowl. Don't play the hurt guy who you guaranteed a quarter of a billion to when he's got a bad shoulder. Play him when he's healthy. I was looking at his over the cap, and oh, I don't want to get. I don't want to get too into the weeds on this. Uh, I actually coach a law school competition every uh, spring at Tulane where they negotiate contracts and trades. And so I, while I am not like an expert in this, I think I have more knowledge in, on the cap than like the average human being. Uh, I was doing like, forget about cutting Deshaun Watson, like before June 1st in an off season. If you cut him after June 1st or designate him to where you take like a big cap hit and you split it between that season and the following season, Danny, even if the Browns did that, they are underwater on this contract until 2026. Even if they designate him a post June first cuts, like they are as in as you possibly could be <laughs> with an NFL player. Spencer Ray telling us that Stefanski did say Watson is starting next week. Okay, good good luck. That that seem that seems crazy to me. I mean, he's, I mean, Deshaun after the game said he's praying that it's not anything worse with his shoulder. So who, who, so next week in Seattle, Ugh. battle yeah, that's of four a tough spot. two teams. Yeah, that's, I mean, not the toughest defense in the world. Why is that? Yeah, that's a weird one. That, that feels like an over to me. The, uh, the Browns, uh, the Browns and Jets feel very similar to me. I know Cleveland's defense didn't play particularly well, but these teams have like they have a certain energy, they have a formula, they have a lot of talent on defense, uh, defensive coordinator, highly regarded, and yet the, the quarterback position for vastly different reasons has big question marks every single week. Massive. I mean, Miles Garrett deserves a little bit of love though, right now. Like, you know, oh, yeah. there's it feels like there's always a little bit of a whoever just had the most recent best game gets the the oh he's the best defensive player in the world right we, we've done it with tj watt we've mm -hmm. done it with micah parsons miles garrett today uh two force fumbles couple of sacks 
a block field goal, a couple of other quarterback hits, a couple of other tackles for loss on top of it. He now has 82 career sacks. He has not yet turned 28 years old. Two more sacks than Reggie White for most sacks all time uh, for someone before the age of 28. Quite simply, Miles Garrett is well on his way to going into Canton. And today is one of the single best defensive games you could have in the NFL. Yeah, he was the best player on the field, without a doubt. Why, why does Pony hate him so much? That's what I can't I, figure He out. just hates the Browns, I think. Yeah. But what is there to hate? Miles Garrett. I mean, I mean, Miles. Oh, he, Miles Garrett had that he, the, the fight, right? Mason Rudolph. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Mason Rudolph's a waste of time anyway. Yeah. I mean, let's, let's, yeah. let's be honest. No, like, I, I agree. But, but yeah. Mason Rudolph. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, listen, Miles My- Garrett, like, I-, I know, I guess it could be technically questionable whether he is in the category of TJ Watt, Parsons, Nick Bosa. But when you watch a game like this and you mention that stat, which I also saw as well, that's kind of hard to deny. Like, if he was on a better football team, and I know they're four and two, but I feel like he would be talked about like TJ Watt or Micah Parsons are. Dude, yeah. I mean, he's at worst the top five defensive player in football. Yes, at worst. Right. Like at at absolute worst. So then it's just pick your preference. Uh, all right. Bucks, Falcons, plenty of things we can get into from this game, even though I largely find these teams boring. But the stats were jarringly similar. Do you believe the better football team won this game? I'm going to give you a definitive answer. Yes. Yes. Atlanta, I thought was the, not by far, but I thought they were the, superior football team they had more more total yards more yards per play by over by 1.2 uh i think ritter did a decent job minus the turnovers uh tampa seemed like kind of a mess offensively and i thought if the bucks had found a way to win that game that would have been them more stealing the win than anything else atlanta ran it even without Bijan. i don't know what was going on there i think again ritter i think bounced back uh, played fairly well. They've started to get London and Pitts involved more. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in this team because it is Atlanta, but two out of the last three, Ritter leads them down the field. Pitts had the big catch late in the game. Yes, for me, they were the better football team in Tampa on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen, the the Ritter thing with, so what, Atlanta lost three fumbles. In, in, the, in the game. And Danny, one of them was going into the end zone by Ritter where Winfield makes a classic Antoine Winfield play yep. and, and saves a score. So that game to me felt like you play it 10 times, each team wins five. So I don't have as much like coming away definitive as you do, like where this is absolutely the better team. You could, I mean, I make the argument today, time of possession was equal to two seconds more for Tampa than Atlanta. Uh, first downs, 21 to 20, both teams had nine penalties, uh, in the game, passing yards, 245 to 256. Atlanta got them on the ground, uh, in that spot. I just, every week, I feel like I change my opinion on who's going to win the NFC South. (laughs) Yeah. I was thinking about that today. You know, I mean, I, I literally, I mean, before the year, I was making the argument for Carolina. I was like, they won seven games. They got better at coach and quarterback. Why couldn't it be Carolina? I know. They're, they're 0-6. <laughs> Saints, I was like, oh, they definitely have the best defense uh, in the division. And I still think they do. Uh, 
but then none of the offenses are particularly good. Atlanta has the best skill position guys. And I thought that Baker was definitively the best quarterback, but then he loses this game and only can put up 13 on Atlanta. So I am incredibly confused by the NFC South. It's a weird division because I've said good things about Atlanta. I still don't have any real level of trust in them. Uh, I do. It's 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 noteworthy that their defense has clearly upgraded over the offseason. They gave a lot of money to Jesse Bates. They brought in Calais Campbell, who is a guy you bring in when you want to kind of like, you know, he's I think he's a really good veteran presence. He, he's a winning football player. Uh, they still have Jarrett. A.J. Terrell's a relatively top-notch corner. Like They have a, a, a bunch of players on defense, and it's just what's happening offensively every single week and what kind of Desmond Ritter are we getting? But they right now, like every game they play is a is a winnable football game the rest of the way. And they have a pretty decent shot at being the, you know, pretty decent home underdog in the wild card round of the playoffs. Can you explain to me where Jay Glazer, Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter were today, Diana Rossini yeah. on B, on Bijan Robinson? Can someone listen? I didn't I didn't bet his prop. I don't have him on a single fantasy team. I had no money invested in B. John Robinson. But how in the world is it possible in 2023, with the amount of money that is at stake on the availability of these players, that he could show up on the injury report not once, all week, be on the field pregame, yep. taking pictures with fans, and then we just find out, oh, he's sick. So he's not going to play, but then he gets a carry late in the game and he finishes with one carry for three yards. What the hell happened to B. John Robinson? Where is my journalism? I would have been outraged if I had him props overs or in fantasy lineups today. That's insane. Yeah, I think our buddy Nick Costo said something similar on Twitter as well. So I guess he had some kind of headache. Uh, that's what he said after the game. I'm not, you know, I'm not being trite or anything like that. He, he said post game, he was dealing with a bad headache, uh, which makes uh, you migraines are no joke, man. I, yeah, was, I mean, absolutely. It's not about Bijan. It's about how, yeah. how does it happen? Well, Danny, you're talking about the same league. I don't want to go backwards, but <laughs> another random Mike Meltzer rant. Like, how is it that I wake up on Sunday and Ian Rappaport is basically like, by the way, <laughs> Bill Belichick signed an extension this offseason. Like, where, where is the media on this? This is the most covered league in the world, basically. Like, they have talk shows devoted to this league every single day. And I wake up on October 22nd, National Hot Ends Day, and I'm hearing Rappaport say, by the way. My birthday. <laughs> yeah. By the way, Belichick got a lucrative contract extension. I, 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 don't, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't either. Congratulations, by the way, to Bill Belichick on what was it? His win three hundred, three hundredth. Yes, right. Yep. In the in the three hundredth regular season win. I mean, and he's got a contract extension. So, so now he's going to coach there next year. Great. I I suppose so. I, I guess with the, no. with the Robinson thing, the only thing I can come up with is that it was a sudden onset kind of thing. What I cannot explain is the one carry. I can't <laughs> figure that one out. All right, we got five games left, and we're gonna approach an hour again on this, so we gotta we gotta speed it up. Um, okay. Bears Raiders, your game. I'm gonna ask the question and give the answer. 
if that's okay. Yes. The question is, do you think there's a quarterback controversy in Chicago? The answer is no. Matt Eberflus has been horrible with the media and the public speaking role that comes with head coaching. He's been absolutely atrocious. He was great after the game. Hmm. He said, Justin is our quarterback. Tyson is the backup. This is Justin's team. He will play when he's healthy. We're going to get an update on that tomorrow. Like Tyson Bajant is an unbelievable story. Crazy likable. Team rallied around him. The Raiders are pathetic. He got the ball out quick. He didn't take sacks. He had good ball placement. He did not throw one pass that traveled 20 yards in the air down the field. Like, they didn't need to. He didn't need to throw deep balls. He didn't need to work deep over the middle. It was sideline stuff, safe stuff, check down screens, and they dominated the game. Jalen Johnson had two interceptions, had a pick six. But I, I firmly believe Justin Fields could have done uh, largely what Tyson Bajan did today. It would have looked a little different. They're different players. Tyson Bajan might be the backup quarterback on the Bears next year behind Caleb Williams or Drake May or whomever. But – for the rest of this year, I do not believe there to be a quarterback controversy unless and until Fields comes back and falters. Then you will have people clamoring for Tyson Bajan. But for the immediate future, this is still Justin Fields' team. I believe you're right. Obviously, you have the more expert opinion on this being there in Chicago. When I watched this game, the clips that I saw when he was performing well, it seemed to me like it was a classic, nice backup quarterback performance, a la Mike White with the Jets last season, where he comes in, executes where he needs to. The Bears dominated on the ground. Foreman got it going. And if you're the backup quarterback like Bajans is, like you want to get the ball to the playmakers. They had good ratio. I'm always looking at like how many targets the catches. So DJ Moore, nine targets, eight catches. Mooney, 4-4. Four, four. That, that's the kind of stuff I like to see because that means your offense is relatively efficient. You're targeting the right guys, and there's a high level level of efficiency. He he's obviously a, a he's a good athlete. You know, he yeah. ran. He he had that one run uh, around right end where you could see the athleticism. But there was nothing in this game because I was thinking about your comment on, on Thursday night in the last episode about like the optimism of, of of the Bears fans and how he would look. I thought he looked like I thought it was a very solid performance by him. But there was nothing that would make me think that with a you know, high ceiling guy like Justin Fields, I'm going to keep Bajans in, especially considering this incredibly talented quarterback class in 2024. I mean, they took him out for the Hail Mary at the end of the first half for Nate Peterman. Yes. Like this is a guy with a low ceiling. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the Raiders. Oh God. Dude, they haven't scored more than 20 points on offense in a game yet this year. Yeah. 20. They're pathetic. They're only they're only three and four, so like it seems okay. If I were a Raider fan, I would be just in an unbelievable depression. Like what what do I have what do I have going for me? Like what? I mean, just think about it. I don't have anything going on a quarterback. I've got my coach playing the wrong guy, considering the situation I'm in. Like, what's the point of even watching a game with Brian Hoyer at this age? You drafted O'Connell, who's 25. Like, I know O'Connell came in later in the game, but like play O'Connell. Uh, that's what they have to do. Your best player is Adams, who is in, you know, aging, although elite receiver. Like, they drafted a project in the top 10 this year. This is one of the most, I know, again, Adams, Crosby, excellent players. But, like, beyond that, it is a, it's a depressing situation. I, I feel like the coach has a very low approval rating among that Raider fan base. 
As he should. Yes. All right, Rams Steelers. Steelers are now four and two. Is Mike Tomlin going to continue his record of never having a losing season with this team? And oh yeah, by the way, that's now seven straight wins for Mike Tomlin out of a bye. <laughs> yes. They're gonna they're gonna do this again. I, I was that looking is at the, crazy, man. I was looking at the schedule uh after this game. And again, ton of mediocrity in the NFL. I'm not saying all these games are easy, but they have three home games in a row, Jacksonville, Tennessee, Green Bay. You know, you got road games against Cleveland and Cincinnati, but they play Arizona at home. Pittsburgh plays New England at home. They play Indianapolis on the road. They have a tough finish, but this is just like their game script. It's like they fall behind. They make the one play, the TJ Watt interception that sets them up. It's an ugly, mucky game. The Rams, you know, are in a situation where they don't go ahead. And so Pittsburgh's able to make one or two key plays. Another ref thing, they got super lucky with that ridiculous spot on that Kenny Pickett quarterback sneak. I don't know what the hell the refs were doing at the end of that football game. I don't know if the Rams would have come back and, and tied the game, but it ended the game literally right there. This is what Pittsburgh is going to do every single week. I will say Pickett was better in the second half. They got Deontay Their Johnson. The offense was better in the second half. The yeah. offense was better in the second half, yes. But yeah, this is what they're going to do. They're, they're going to win ugly, do weird things, like muck it up, and find ways to make plays and win these kind of games. Yeah. I mean, Steelers fans are so awesome. Like, Pat McAfee's at game day in what? In Happy Valley? In Columbus. In, 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 no, in, right, in Columbus. So thank you. And they're, they're playing Penn State. And you got Penn State fans, they're chanting, oh, yeah. fire Canada, fire <laughs> Matt Canada. I saw that. <laughs> in Columbus. Yeah. Like, so there's like so much <laughs> local hatred for the offensive coordinator. And they rally with 21 points in the second half. They have a winning record. They don't have a very talented quarterback. Sorry, Pony. Like, they finally remember, hey, George Pickens is apparently always open even when he's covered and he gets no separation. The guy's got one of the biggest catch radiuses in all of the NFL. Yes. Like, I don't really think they're good, but they're not bad. Yeah. And Tomlin is a hell of a leader. Like, he might be bad at hiring coordinators. Yeah. And he might not be able to win playoff games and he might lose to, or he might only be able to beat backup quarterbacks in playoff games, which is basically all their playoff wins uh, since they won the Super Bowl. But damn man, that guy week in and week out more often than not gets his team ready to play. Yes. Like pony it, hates him. Well, but... I think, I think sometimes the people in Pittsburgh, you know how you can be kind of too close to a situation to fully evaluate it. I, I think that's where they are. Uh, Tomlin is a guy who, if he was ever on the free agent head coaching market, would be swept, would be taken in a, in a split second. And you're right, Danny. Like he has had some very, some bad hires. And as Pony has pointed out consistently, like it's not about like the GM or the ownership. Like Mike Tomlin really controls. I think the GM basically like they pick the players, they do the Steeler way thing. Uh, but yeah, on a week in week out basis, you know, you're getting a, puncher's effort from Pittsburgh and they're probably not going to hand you the football game and so they're going to be in these games and win a share of them 
except when they face better competition. I don't think the offense and just the overall talent will be enough. And I get it. I get the criticism. Like, you're the Steelers. It's about having the most Super Bowls of any team in the NFL and keeping that record and getting, you know, I, I get it. Super high standards. I, I, I love it. Uh, the Bears fired Lovey Smith after a 10-win season yep. because they thought they could do better. And ever since, it's been Mark Tressman and John Fox and Matt Nagy and Matt Eberflus. Like, Tomlin's got some flaws, but careful what you wish for. Uh, three games left. Cardinals Seahawks. Are the Seahawks good? No. They they seem to me, to borrow a Bill Simmons phrase, the Seahawks feel like a like the good bad team. Like that, that that's what they are. Uh I've watched, you know, I watch them. Their games kind of bore me in that I feel like in a situation like this, Arizona hasn't won a road game. Uh, they don't have a ton of weapons. Uh, they have a guy running it who I've never heard of, this Demarcado guy. And uh, we know about Dobbs. And I realize they're playing without DK Metcalf, but I feel like there's more offensively they could do, and they did not. Gino threw a bad pick to Garrett Williams late in the game. Uh, I don't know if you <laughs> if you saw the Arizona fake punt late in the game, but it was just a complete just catastrophe. Like, I did I don't not know what... see the fake punt. I saw the Gino interception. I didn't see the fake punt. Yeah, they ran a fake punt, which which was completely dead in the water. It was Clayton Toon, the guy from the University of Houston, and like it was a fourth and ten. It was it was thrown like six yards short of the of the line to gain, and it was one of those like, why even do that? And then if you're going to do that, just put Keep your, your offense on the field and just do a normal play. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I I have not, despite them being four and two, I just I have not seen enough in Seattle to make me feel like, hey, this is like a a team I should be really impressed by at this stage. I agree. They've got, they got two good opportunities though. We talked already about next week, Cleveland at home yep. and then in Baltimore. That's, you know, cause the, the lions win is a good win. And then they beat the giants, Cardinals and Panthers, which nobody's going to be impressed about. What I said about them coming into the year was it felt like if everything broke, right, that they could flirt with having a top five offense. And I, we haven't – no DK Metcalf today. Jackson Smith and Jigba uh, was hurt. I want to see Kenneth Walker in the backfield, JSN, Lockett, DK Metcalf, with Geno flinging the ball around 40 times a game. Yeah. Like, like I, I want I, – you know what I mean? Like, across uh, the left tackle had been hurt. Now he's back. I, to me, they've got a very, very, very high ceiling offense – that they just all haven't been on the field. And listen, that's the NFL. It's a depth league. You're not going to be healthy. But like, to me, that's how they need to beat people if I am going to elevate them into good. And we haven't seen it yet. But hopefully the DK Metcalf thing isn't serious and we're close to seeing uh, those guys on the field together. Because I think that's their only chance to become good is if their offense becomes great. Maybe I'm being a little too harsh on them because you're right. The ceiling on this team is the three receivers – we know Carroll loves to run it. They didn't have Charbonnet today. Uh, Kenneth Walker's good. So if you can get everybody healthy, and I always have to remind myself, like we're still in mid to late October. Uh, this team is going to be in the playoff race just based on division and talent. Let's see what they look like in four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. I just I have not been impressed by Seattle on a week in week out basis for the opening stands of the season. That's how I'd put it. All right, Broncos and Packers. Do you think Sean Payton is mad that they won the game? 
No, because he seems like one of those hardo red ass types that has been bothered by their constant losing. And it again, it's a proud franchise. They hadn't won a home game. Uh, they seemed excited when they got that late interception by Jordan Love. Uh, I think, you know, who knows what the I think they're going to be. They're going to have a new quarterback next season. But today, I think Sean Payton was happy they won. Do you think otherwise? I mean, that clip of him with Cowherd on Fox talking about Caleb Williams being generational. Yeah. Like, you know, the Bears win. It hurts their draft pick. They still have Carolina. So, okay, fine. We'll talk about the Giants, you know, in a little bit. New England. Like, don't these teams know that Caleb Williams and Drake May is out there? I know that coaches and players always try to win, and they work 365 days a year for these 17 Sundays. And it's not for long and the contracts aren't guaranteed. And that's the GM and the owner's problem. And coaches and players are trying to win. But damn, it felt like a few teams won games that was counterintuitive to their actual long-term best interest. And the Broncos would be very high on that list. Because the only way you can move on from Russell Wilson and eat that money and have that dead cap hit is if you've got an awesome, cheap quarterback. And if they end up winning five or six games – and they have to take the third or fourth or fifth quarterback prospect, yeah. they're going to feel real dumb about it. Do you feel like Russ being somewhere else in 2024 is inevitable? Well, I do. What's the dead cap? The dead cap number is exorbitant, though, isn't it? Like, so they, yeah. they, can, they, can, they, can, they can move him, but like for like what, a sixth round pick or something for someone to help him out with some of the money? Yeah, something along those lines. Uh, again, I'm going to do like the, who, the, who would who would take them? Who would pay Russ? He's going to isn't I feel, I thought he was going to be just done in Denver, basically. All right, so I'm looking at this now. Uh, I think if they cut him, I think they would have to do the whole designate po- or, or like trade post June first or designate him a post June first. They, they'd have to do a couple of they, they'd have to do some kind of a maneuvering, but. My understanding has been like unless he's hurt and he can't pass that physical, which we discussed. Right, on that's Thursday, what it kicks in the guarantee. Yeah, the 2025 guaranteed money is not going to kick in. So I think basically what it boils down to is there is a way out, but they're going to have to pay for it both in the salary cap in 2024 and most likely 2025 as well. I think that's what's. But I think I, I just I feel like Peyton is going to want to move on and bring yes. in somebody else in 2024. Yeah, my, I guess my question was going to be like, is he, can they actually have him off the roster, or is it just going to be an uncomfortable backup situation? But sounds like they'll have him off. Uh, one thing on Green Bay, I mean that that Jordan Love interception was was terrible. I'm it was. Lo- I'm, I'm loving how bad he is <laughs> and how just like decidedly terrible it is. It's fantastic. But Green Bay, man, Denver, Atlanta, and Vegas—they lost all three games by a grand total of seven points. Yes. You know what I mean? Like they they could easily be sitting here talking themselves into being like last year's Vikings or something. Like close wins, not good, paper tiger. Uh, but they haven't been. So they're gonna miss the playoffs and they're gonna be in the quarterback market in the offseason, and it makes me tremendously happy. Yes, I, I think of you when I see Jordan Love struggle. Um Thank I, you. I don't I honestly I I what am I decent friends in the that, that sounds weird one of my friends in the sports media john mcclain who's done it here in houston for a long time uh, has always told me uh sometimes when you don't know just say you don't know i don't know exactly what my feeling is on the 
overall direction of the Packers in that clearly this is a like a tryout year for Jordan Love. They gave him that weird extension, which was super team friendly. Uh, but I don't think he has any guarantees beyond this season. And yet I think they'll win more games. And despite how many quarterbacks there are available, like I don't know that Green Bay is going to be necessarily in a position to draft one of those guys. And yet I look at that team and like, I think they they have talent all over the place. They have a million first round picks on defense. They have two good running backs. I actually kind of like the weapons on offense. So I don't really know what to make of Green Bay moving forward just overall. Yeah, I mean, they're really young on offense. Uh, people around the Packers are convinced that they're going to give Jordan Love next year and that they, you know, they they gave him that like fake contract extension yeah. to to ha- so that they didn't have to, you know, pick up a fifth year option, but they signed him anyway. Uh, so people think that he's going to get next year, which feels great. I could see yeah. that. It's a very patient franchise. Yeah, good. Well, then you're <laughs> going to then, then your defense is going to get old. And then you'll have to pay Christian Watson, and then you'll be starting over at quarterback. It's glorious. It's possible. All right, last last game here. We're we're at the hour mark. This is way too long. Uh, should Daniel Jones worry about Tyrod Taylor taking his job? No, the contract is too big. Tyrod was fine, but Tyrod couldn't keep his job two years ago against the with uh, Davis Mills in Houston. Like the, the Giants, that that was more about their defense. They got after Sam Howell, uh, Lawrence, uh, not Lawrence. Everybody uh, gets let- after Sam Howell. They do, yes. and But the Giants hadn't really done much in that department this season. Leonard Williams That's blocked true. a kick. Uh, Jonathan Allen was pissed after the game. But no, I, I think the Giants are way – they're in way too deep with Daniel Jones to think about making a switch to Tyrod. Okay. Tyrod's better. You think he's better? I mean, he's been better this year. He was better on Sunday than Daniel Jones has been. I'll say that. He they was got fine to- last week. What did he do last week? No, well, what did he do last, last week? I mean, he also, right? Well, he also, he also, in fairness, like he completely blew that halftime situation against Buffalo. That's like, true. He he did do that. I, I'm fine with Tyrod. I think Tyrod is a viable backup, but like a, a team that picked a quarterback high, then got an overachieving season out of him, gave him too much money. Like the, the Giants are not a contender to just hand quarterback over to Tyrod Taylor. I'm just saying they looked Dable looked pretty pissed at Daniel Jones. And yes, they signed him to that contract, but as you've already illustrated, teams can get out of contracts if they're willing to take dead cap money. So I don't think it's gonna happen, but I don't think Daniel Jones is gonna be there very long. As long as people think he's going to be. I'll say that. I could see that, but I don't know what the easy way out is gonna be. And to your point, this is another team like Denver where the Giants win, and the fans are excited. The crowd is pretty good. But in the long term, you wonder what this really does for the Giants. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Thank you, Spencer Ray. Mike, uh, you're back uh, for your last show on Thursday, right? Indeed. Looking forward to it. All right. We will come to you live after Tampa and Buffalo and then set you up for week eight. First in pod, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. 